walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you will learn to live freely and lightly. In the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. <laughs> Did you know, in Exodus, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. This was followed by 27 chapters of rules and laws in Leviticus, and 34 chapters more in Deuteronomy, which then morphed into 6,200 pages of Talmudic law, covering every aspect of beliefs behaviors, diet, custom, ethics, and attitudes. Did you also know, in this week's Gospel, Jesus tells us there's another way. So for the third week in a row, we're back at the base of the mountain, seated on the ground listening to Jesus. Jesus' first act in the Gospel of Matthew is a sermon. Not just a regular sermon, because if it were a regular sermon, we wouldn't spend three weeks on it. The Sermon on the Mount, some of the most famous and prophetic words that Jesus ever spoke and delivered to the masses. Jesus is once again communicating to those gathered what God's kingdom will be like, what it should be like. But today's scripture, it's long, and at some points feels really extreme. Jesus' use of hyperbole is all over the place, which suggests that he, what he's saying is really important. So he goes to extremes to say it. He wants this very important <coughs> message communicated. So that begs the question, or at least it does for me, what is it that he wants us to know in this part of the Sermon on the Mount? What can we take home with us? Well, in a nutshell, perhaps thinking about it in this way might be helpful. So Jesus, he begins this section of the Sermon on the Mount by recalling widely held moral teachings and laws. Ancient teachings. Teachings that those who were gathered with him would know and be familiar with. But the thing is, he doesn't just hold them up and remind people, do them. Oh no. Instead, in the way that Jesus always does, he expands on them. Not creating more rules. I've already listed out two full books in the Bible full of rules and 6,200 rules in the Torah and Talmudic law. That's not what he's wanting to do. Instead, he adds to what is already said. He broadens 
the meaning of these ancient laws. And what he proposes is that it's not so much about keeping the law, yes, that is important, but I want to get to the essence of what these laws mean, the spirit of these ancient teachings. Jesus knows that it's much more than just subscribing to and following laws. And as one who came to fulfill the law, it's fitting that he hearkens back to the ancient laws. Jesus desires to help us understand the nature of what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. And in a clever way, he holds up the old so that the new what he's added to the old can shed light on this kingdom he desires for all of us to know. So this is how he goes about it. Jesus states a teaching or a law, but then he adds to it. In other words, to stress, it's not about following the exact law, but allowing these teachings to transform our hearts, our minds, and eventually our souls so that we can be kingdom people. For example, Jesus states a pretty obvious teaching from the Ten Commandments. Don't murder. Don't do it. Well, most people would say, well, that's pretty easy to follow. Probably not going to go out murdering anybody today, right? At least I hope so. But this is where Jesus expands this teaching. And it hits home a bit more. He says, But I say to you, if you're angry with a brother or a sister, be reconciled to them. So how does that have anything to do with murdering someone? Well, What he wants us to realize is this. Don't have a murderous spirit of anger and disdain for your neighbor. Instead, make things right. Don't murder them with your thoughts of anger and hate. You know, that which consumes people sometimes. Make things right. Don't murder them with your anger and hate. Well, some of you all may not know this, but we practice this every week at Grace in every single Episcopal church in the United States and across the world. It's in our lit liturgy. It's built in. It's that important. <clears throat> I call it the hinge part of the service. Perhaps one of the most important elements of our worship time, would anybody have any idea what part of the service that is? If not, I'm going to tell you. It's called the passing of the peace. Yes. So, sometimes I will say it might feel like a modified love fest, and that is beautiful and good. Connection and smiles, hugs and welcome. 
but at its essence. The part of the service is built in so that we do exactly as what Jesus taught us to do. Go to those who you're angry with. Go to those you're sitting on the opposite side of church from because you don't want to see them. You don't want to interact with them. Go to them during the peace and do what? Pass the peace. In essence, make things right. Reconcile. Apologize. Say you're sorry. Don't hold a grudge anymore. So when you do this with your neighbor at the passing of the peace time, directly following that, we go into the Eucharist time. So in essence, you've made yourself right with your neighbor. Now you can approach the altar of the Lord and receive the bread and the wine and be reconciled to God. All of it matters. And that particular part of our service is directly from this teaching of Jesus. It is a time to make right with your neighbor, so then you can go make right with your maker. So this isn't the only time that Jesus does this. He uses this method with a number of other laws in this section as well. Calling forth the original law, but then holding up what he desires the masses to do. Our real problem, he says, isn't ultimately murder, but the anger that lies at its core. Our real problem, he says, isn't ultimately adultery, but the lust in our hearts. Our real problem, he says, isn't when to allow divorce, but the brokenness of our relationships with one another. These additional sayings of Jesus are intimidating, for sure. They are. They're hard to do sometimes. Don't harbor anger. Honor oaths, whether in marriage or to your neighbors. Desire justice so much that you would rather suffer a wrong than impose one on another. Love your enemies and pray to God on their behalf. For the church to claim Jesus' message of God's kingdom come, it must endeavor to be the kind of place that reflects God's reign. Which means we orient our lives a bit differently with greater intention, with greater awareness and purpose. That we believe we're not solely the choices we make, but it is our choices that give light to what is ruling our hearts and our minds. And clearly from this piece, this section of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus wants our minds to be focused in a new way, a way that is different than what has been, a way that reflects the kingdom from which he knows and exemplifies 
and demonstrates in his own life and actions. So I don't want this to be a sermon about what you should do and what you shouldn't do. I think we're all reasonable people, we know. But what I will say is that when you've been around someone who has the kingdom mindset, I will say, you know. It can be a bit startling, perhaps, because it's not a way that this world usually operates. Perhaps you, you can begin to think about this more, recognizing that these teachings aren't given to bind us up. I think that's one of the greatest fallacies of faith in Christianity. So most people think they're imposed laws to bind us up, to control. But instead, I think it's the opposite. These rules, these sayings are in place to offer freedom. And I believe it is in this genuine freedom we can have perfect peace, regardless of what your circumstance is, where you find yourself at in life. So if you're harboring ill against your neighbor, try to let it go. Forgive. Forgive. And then forgive for yourself. It's not for them, it's for you. For freedom. For perfect peace. Look on others not as something that fulfills your desire, but instead as someone made in the image of God like me and you. Be a person of integrity, where your word means something that can be trusted and relied upon. Because you tell the truth and go out of your way to be honest and forthright. This week, as you move about the space that you inhabit, look for ways to make it better. As poet Mary Oliver reminds, keep some room in your heart for the unimaginable. How beautiful is that? Be aware and in awe. And remember that it's in the very ordinary that God shows himself. And trust that the invitations are endless for us to be invited into this That is gospel, and that is our hope this day. In the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.